Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live. Friendly reminder, if you order by the end of today, you can get rush delivery of Plan B by Christmas. Very important. I'm Liz Winstead with my fellow Buzzkills, Moji Alawodeel, Anne-Marie Khan. Today, we are so excited to have comedian, actor, and author Gina Yashere here to talk about her new book. And we're going to talk about Bell Hooks and the legacy she tasked us with following. Plus, we're having our first Feminist Buzzkill gift exchange live on air. Yep, every year the three of us scour the internet for the perfect gift for each other. And by perfect, I mean perfectly terrifying. That's right, but before we get all the fun, we have some news to get to because patriarchy doesn't take a holiday, so we can't either. And by the way, the BS is popping off. Yes. Sanctuary cities, y'all. This, not only is it popping, it's spreading all over the country. These are sanctuary cities for the unborn. They are not safe spaces for undocumented communities. They're what happens when anti-choice city councils defy our constitutional right to abortion. These also- so talk about these sanctuary cities, Marie, because it's so insidious. <laughs> well, the first um, sprang up or or became that became one was Wascom, Texas in 2019. And it's a movement that this man with a neck beard started named Mark Lee Dixon. And he's been riding around spreading the gospel of uselessness. He's looking at uh, towns where the medium age of inhabitants uh, hovers around postmenopausal. He looks at small cities that are already not uh, not having don't have health care existing for communities. Um, but this movement has has gained attraction, unfortunately, among very conservative city councils. And right now, there are at least 42 sanctuary cities in the United States. So the sanctuary city idea is like, go to places where like retired, older people live, who are already terrified by abortion and yep. have them think that they're doing the most by uh, banning abortion and saying that no abortions will ever be performed here when they can't even afford to accommodate a dairy queen in their town is it my basically yes. getting it right yes yes yeah exactly. yeah my favorite, i feel like my favorite to profile had like what a uh, hundred people in it 200 people in it and like it seemed like 20 of them were under the age of like 50 uh it's well i mean i went to like um I would looked at the list and Naples, Florida is on the list. And I was like, isn't that literally a retirement community where you retire everything, including the eggs with which that would help you create a pregnancy? No. I mean, it feels so, it feels so insane that, you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like declaring myself a sink. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sanctuary city for abortion. You know, I mean, like, I don't even understand and what is the power that this dude has i mean i think he was also somebody who uh is involved in texas right to life and when yeah. the texas bill went down sb8 when the supreme court said oh you can just stay intact all you want i think mark lee dixon was the guy who said excellent this is exactly what we want now everybody can be a bounty hunter 
Yeah, yes. they handed them a blueprint. You're making clinics, you're making clinics sue the violent, aggressive communities. Like how how on earth that that's certainly not patient-centered. And then you have folks like Mark Lee wandering and saying, all right, we're gonna shame and stigmatize abortion even further and you know, create slogans to put on on town billboards. You know, this is what they're doing by saying they were a sanctuary city. Liz, I love that you mentioned Naples, Florida. One that I remember um, that that is prominent on their website is Whiteface, Texas home of, of, a, of a house for delinquent, delinquent young girls where young women were sent away to um, and, and just put away and institutionalized for behavior. Because they got pregnant? Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually just because they were young girls. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure pregnancy was involved for some of them. You know, yeah. it's, and, and it's, it's really uh, this insidious like man who is just really trying to make his mark on it what is the end goal for these towns just to have a lot of them just to say like we're we we have a lot of small towns that are going to ban abortion like what is I, i'm unclear about their end goal i think he's taking the state's rights argument down to a very like literal level and trying to like mm. like vi kind of vigilante empoweringism like you're telling city councils in i mean there was a real prominent um one that was in ohio recently that was focused on um lebanon ohio their city council members they're all excited about this just putting all this information out online and just the the hate that that shows towards folks who might become pregnant need abortion as an option it's so stigmatizing and i think his goal is to have this crop up everywhere so people are literally forced into fear and hiding when when we should be talking about abortion care supporting abortion care loving abortion providers i want to also remind everyone that mark lee Dixon has famously never had sex so he also has no skin in this game. Oh, that's really right. He's no like skin. a self-proclaimed virgin, right? Yeah. Yep. No skin in this game. No skin. <laughs> no foreskin in this game. No foreskin None. in this game. None. None. Oh, God. So he's an incel trying to ban abortion. Yes, yes that's exactly It's too much. But, you know, it does, it does lend itself to, you know, every time these things pop up and um, the website. What is the website, Marie? Uh, it is shit. sanctuarycities.com, I believe. Yes. I believe. I believe it is sanctuarycities.com. So I think that we all need to just think about if you live near some of these cities, you know, or you are hearing, go to the website and see who they're courting because we need more people to turn up at the city council meetings to say, hell no, because I feel like he's handpicking these towns where nobody pays attention to the city council meetings nobody's going or they're all just older and you know it's it's not a majority of people it's almost like handpicking gerrymandered anti-abortion yes. cities right and so if you show up at them then i think that you can you know make a stink and be a voice to say just because we're a small town just because we're rural doesn't mean we want some like neck beardo coming in here telling us how we, what our values are. I mean that, you know, I think we need to like learn and do that. Um, we'll put a link to it obviously in our show notes, but like yes. click on that. See if you live near one of those places and get some friends to go like break didn't, up some of these meetings. Didn't one city recently when the city council tried to do this, vote them out? Yeah. Showed up. They showed up. Exactly. They voted yep. out the city council members who thought that this was a good idea. Because, every one of them. Yes, every single one of them, because city council members might believe in this, but obviously their community thought this was a stupid thing to do. 
that's, and that's right. in Ohio. That's individual Ohioans doing that shit in Mason, Ohio. Wow. Wow. So 42 cities and counting. That's this guy's mission. I'm sure he's funded for it. He's also like pounding the drumbeat and promoting the word and helping people learn how to become local bounty hunters as SBA has allowed people. So look out for that. I feel like um, that's a good story to talk about uh, as we talk about bell hooks, because it, you know, bell hooks, it was somebody who was profoundly invested in smashing the patriarchy. And I love her quote, patriarchy, like any system domination, racism, for example, relies on socializing everyone to believe that in all human relations, there is an inferior and a superior party. One person is strong, the other weak. And that is therefore natural for the powerful to rule over the powerless. To those who support patriarchal thinking, maintaining power and control is acceptable by whatever means. And I think that that dude and his quest is exactly what that's about. Yep, it absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, and 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 talking bell hooks who we lost last week at the age of 69, um, an incredible public thinker, an incredible uh, fighter of patriarchy, white supremacy, um, champion of feminism, was somebody who has laid out um, an incredible roadmap for us to be intersectional as feminists, to follow the leadership of, of Black women, and to um, combine love with our rage. I think what was always really interesting about Bell Hooks is, is at least in the works that I've read, she always sought community, right, with people. She was she was not like, oh, and she was very much in that quote, I think really captures that. She caught, she saw maybe not consensus, but just this idea of like, we could work together. She was kind of intersectional before we had that word um, coined to, to capture exactly what that sense is, that there are many forces of oppression and we should be fighting all of them. Yeah, Moji, she like she drilled down on those areas. She looked at colonization. She looked at and, and viewing it uh, as not something that ended and something that's ongoing, looking at racism and and how white supremacy really has shaped and is the backbone to a lot of these structures we're continuing to fight today. And I think one of the things, um, especially in the landscape that we are living in now, where, um, you know, people are finally waking up to, you know, that gender is not a binary and, and that, you know, what cultural inclusion looks like, you know, bell hooks was somebody who was very, and I, and this is why I think it's important to, for folks to reread her work, because she was somebody who was invested in living in communities, especially like where white feminism was like rearing its ugly head, but she always wanted to make sure that calling in was happening where people could, um, you know, if people step in it or people were trying, she really wanted to make sure that there was teachable moments and that people who were good and that were trying uh, were talked to and communicated with. You know, she wasn't a, she wasn't going to lay down and take stuff, but she also understood that there is a difference between being a garbage person and being a person who is learning and who might make mistakes. And you know, she said that she led with love. She did, she said that when she thinks of her own identifiers, and I'm paraphrasing, that she ident she didn't um, primarily identify as a feminist or as a woman or even as black. She identified as somebody who led with love, 
And I think that that was really, I think that's really interesting. She was also incredibly prolific. She, yes, like, she wrote 30 books. books. Like, who's like, oh my God, this dude's driving around doing all kind of bullshit and like real intellectuals are spending time writing 30 books talking about- She also love. wrote everything <laughs> by hand. She yeah, wrote yeah. all of her books by hand because she says that she thought things through in a way that the brain like naturally worked when she wrote it out by hand. So she wrote all of her books by hand. Also, what I loved about her writing is it's also very simple. While I love things with like a lot of intellectual rigor and I find sometimes I default to big words for no reason, I found that she really makes her work, made her work really accessible to people and you didn't have to get a thesaurus out to understand what she was talking about. You just had to want to listen. Yep, I think that's right. I was also, she's, you know, 69, she died young, but like, you know, I highly recommend that, you know, Feminism helps everybody. And I think that like reading her work and going back, uh, I think would be, you know, start with Ain't I a Woman um, and uh, go in and do some reading. Bell Hooks, uh, rest in power. May your works be a lesson for us all. And may we all carry on your legacy by walking in your footsteps and working harder at calling the bullshit where we need to and calling in and self-correcting so that people can become better. And on that note, that is a gift we give to all of you and the gift that Bell Hooks gave to us. But right now we are going to celebrate the gift giving for each other. This might sound narcissistic and self-indulgent if you're watching at home, but trust me, it's a riot and take it as an inspiration to do it with your friends and family because we have had a blast doing it. So what we do is we pick names and we do the white elephant gift exchange that many of you probably do. But instead of actually buying the gift with like a $10 limit, we just don't buy anything. What we do is say the sky's the limit and we start scouring the internet for the best possible gifts we can find with money, no object. So we are about to kick it off. Who wants to start the gift exchange? I will start the gift exchange. Okay. And I chose out of our magic bunny hat, Marie, Aww. as the person who I'm gifting this, this year. And I really tried to think it through, Marie. You know, I, I tried to think of something you loved. And I know that one thing you really love is, is beer, right? You like, you like lots of other things, but you really do like beer. Yeah. And I was like scouring, like, what do you give the beer lover who knows all the great beer? And what I discovered is Faith American Brewery. Um, I would, I would have for you a day trip to Kelsey Grammer's Christian theme <laughs> bar called Faith American Brewery and a case of the Calico Man IPA. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> Oh, how is that real? That's actually real. Oh my God. I love Holy that face beer. Does he turn beer into better beer? Okay. Okay. Oh, unfortunate quote here. He said, cause I was looking and I was like, what is this beer? He has this quote in the early 1800 farmers wore disguises of calico a new material imported from India in their fight to resist a corrupt system of rent for land they worked. They called themselves the Calico Indians. The Calico Man IPA 
Faith American salutes their spirit and their place in the enduring fight for freedom. That just had like levels of appropriation and like mistaking, rewriting, like genocide. It was just weird and awkward. So well, like, you know they meant Indian by way of like indigenous and Native American. They did not mean India Indian. <laughs> like, yeah, no, both with no clarity. <laughs> no, they, so also very into the shofar, the Calico Indians. Um, there's actually a good, there's actually a good story about the Calico Indians because they were fighting, um, they were fighting alongside the Native Americans to, um, stop, um, the oppressors from coming. They would give them the heads up by, um, okay. not the, okay, maybe so not the Kelsey Grammer ones. The Kelsey Grammer ones I have no faith in. I'm sure that they have shofars that they're calling out to make sure that, you know, people are oppressed on the reg. Because his whole posse is like that whole James Woods, Patricia Heaton, Dean Kane, like every anti-abortion uh, uh, Hollywood type yes. is can be drinking Kelsey Grammer beer. And uh, oh my so God, Marie, you're so lucky. What a wonderful know, trip for you. Those are pretty close by. We're going to walk away with the case. And uh, so happy holidays. <sighs> That's Thank wonderful, you. Marie. Thank you, Moji. I'm really, I really feel blessed. Thank you. <laughs> hashtag. Um, hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, all right. So Liz, I picked you out of their magical hat. Um, and in any other world, this probably would be an HR violation. But I really, I wanted to create a safe space uh, for self-care and reflection for you. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I do have a set of your house keys. Um, so it's, it was really easy. It's not hard. I know you're, you're not currently in New York right now, but when you return, um, you're going to, you're going to see that your bedroom has been, has had a facelift, has been rejuvenated and uplifted. Um, and I'm going to be doing that with wheat pasting wallpaper that says pro-life all around it. <laughs> this is unfortunately available through society six <laughs> uh -uh. the hub for everything online i love society six i know me too me too so that is that's what's going to be around you i do have a mirrored ceiling don't worry there's still the mirrored so you can oh, think about what you can't do while you're surrounded does it say don't suck cock on the, on the, on the ceiling is it just some kind of random Save it I, like that and then pro pro-life surrounding you. So I'm a couple things about this gift that I'm excited about that you can have personalized wallpaper made is life-changing for me. But right? um having pro-life wallpaper is like saying I like meat over and over again. Like it's like a some faction of your belief system, but also is it supposed to be some kind of deterrent to like who you have in your bedroom it's like you know what i got really hammered and this dude was like finger banging me at the bar and then we got all the way to my apartment we got upstairs i had my lips wrapped around his weenus and then i looked at my wallpaper and i was like wait a minute i'm pro-life put on the brakes well, <laughs> i don't even know what this means there's also a little part two for you liz a tiny oh. little keepsake just a little keepsake for you to keep in your bedside table because we don't want you to have condoms in there or anything else that could interfere with this pro this pro life path you're on. But um, there's a second item available. Oh my! This is this is 
1972 quarter, Liz. I'm sure you're familiar with the significance of 1972 when all babies were taken care for, taken care of, you know, up to that point. Also, I don't remember that um, that George Washington, who's on the quarter? <laughs> George Washington. That he was um, in, up until 19. 73 there was a fetus on the quarter and not george washington yeah, yeah. i'm i i had no idea oh, i also you. feel like um that is some detailed fetus i actually right? want that necklace badly it's available, it's available on etsy like we it we, is the 1972 yes, yes. fetus coin necklace yes yeah. I also love if, to if that like talisman you need to clutch to keep those those evil sexual thoughts at bay Liz. Yeah, so I can just like have that in one hand, stare at my wallpaper in the other, and then yeah, wonder yeah. what I did with my whole life. What was I doing with my whole life? Wow. That is thank you, Marie. I really appreciate the um appreciate the jewels and I appreciate the um the home improvement. You know, a lot of people don't invest in um redesigning somebody's apartment when they're not home. And I feel like that's a bold gift. Bold gift. Um well, Moji, I got you, and um, I know that you love fun in the sun. I know that you love um, just like getting away and being at the beach. And so um, there's, I, I got you some little, like it's a two-parter, so I'm going to tease you with the first part of your, uh, of a little beachy kind of gift. Um, it's a Phyllis Schlafly beach bag um, and a Let's Go Brandon towel with the Rosie the Riveter on it. So I feel like um, you can hate yourself and the progress of women all in one towel for the beach. Um, message towel for no reason. <laughs> I mean, so random, but like who doesn't want a Phyllis Schlafly beach bag? bag that just says stop the era right there so just um a really feel good trip and so then i was like where would moji like to go um most to the beach and someplace that i've always wanted to go to the beach because i've heard the beaches are beautiful is israel i've heard that like um high gorgeous beaches in israel well um i didn't get you that but I did get you the next best thing to going to a beach vacation to Israel, which is discovering the Middle East in Orlando, Florida. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like um, if you can't get to the Middle East, I think the second most holy place is Orlando, Florida, um, wow. to the Holy Land experience in Orlando. And it's an entire... Um, experience of the middle east and some of the things that you get to experience there is um that you can participate in the last supper uh with actually um you know you can and you can watch the whole process and the passion of the christ unfold before you oh. while you are eating a delicious turkey leg oh that's you, <laughs> you can climb in the um tomb where they had jesus a replica of the tomb um, you can push yourself out. Uh, you can go in the mouth of the whale. Wait, you can resurrection cosplay? You resurrection cosplay. It's the best thing to do if you can't go to Israel. Just go to Orlando. You know, it's not just Epcot and Disney. They no. also recreate um, 
the single most important um, story to Christians right there in Orlando, sunny Orlando, Florida. You mean so, the whale one? Yeah, you can do all of it. I feel really um, excited for your trip. I'm super excited to have my Rosie the Riveter, Let's Go Brandon, Phyllis Schlafly packed yeah. situation to not go to Israel where I would have liked to see the beaches and instead go to Orlando where I'm sure the beaches are Ooh. much yeah. fun. The other <laughs> thing they have, Moji, they have Christian karaoke. So um, there's a karaoke room where you can do Christian karaoke. It's just, a, you know, I think that uh, when you think about Jesus, um, I think Jesus would have As loved to have a whole entire recreation of his life and also smoke chicken, a turkey legs. Liz, you are such a giver. Thank I you. know. I just thought okay. about it and I was like, it's, you know, I wanted you to have the best thing so I would never buy. This is so kind and so generous. And so you know me, you know yeah. me. I mean, I feel like we were all seen this year. And if we had more time, I would have loved to have given um, Marie you a gift. Um, yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, sometimes though, it's just too much, but we have to wrap up our gift giving segment. But let me tell you, it's truth be told, it's so much fun to do this with your friends and your family and your loved ones, people you know really well. So like, don't take it from me, do it. You will be a hero and you will laugh. Um, we have to go to commercial break because we are blabbing. Happy holidays, you two. We're going to take a quick break and you get to see some of our amazing comedy pieces in action. And hint, now might be a good time to make a last minute tax deductible donation to Abortion Access Front. The cheerleaders of death. Witness the cheerleaders of death and destruction. Death and destruction. The bullying protesters came from afar. These assholes arrived both by bus and by car. They brought horrid signs upon their arrivals. They also brought Zuzit's boohorns and Bibles. The mensch up above saw neither tidings nor joys. No patient deserves all the noise from these boys. Then angrily growling, his mensch fingers drumming. I had no idea these misogynists were coming. Why? Why? When the noise grew and grew from a six to a ten, he realized he wanted to help there and then. So he opened his laptop with a sigh and a grunt. I'll make a donation to Abortion Access Front. So be like the mensch and donate today. Defending your rights is how we'll repay. Growing up, we were Klansmen. Proud of our Anglo-Saxon heritage and Christian values, we burnt crosses on lawns, created a culture of white supremacy, and practiced ethnic purity. I went on Mancestry.com to find out who else was in my tree of values. So I typed in my core beliefs, and I was able to trace my ancestral heritage all the way back to a president, Jefferson Davis. Turns out, all these years, I was identifying as a white supremacist when actually, I'm a Republican. So I traded in my hood for this t-shirt and this polo shirt and this button down and this blue blazer and another jacket. Mancestry.com, 
Find out the story only white male privilege can tell. But I kept this torch. We are back, and Paul Gozar has not made a horrible video about us yet. But we still have 10 minutes to go, so there's still time. Indeed, Marie, anything can still happen. But coming up until then, I sat down with comedian, actor, and now author of an incredible memoir called Cack Handed. Please welcome Jeannie Yasheray. Jeannie Yasheray, thank you for joining the Feminist Buzzkills. Well, it's, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor. <laughs> I haven't seen you for a while. I think the last time I saw you, we may have been um, in Birmingham, Alabama. Yes. Uh, facing off with anti-abortion extremists who yes, showed up at our comedy show. Was that your first experience with dealing with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I never dealt with it. So when I came on your tour, I was ready. I was ready for action. And uh, yeah, I had some very good conversations with some of these crazy people outside our show. Yeah, it was, a, hey, you guys got all that on film, didn't you? We did get it on film. Oh, what was yeah. the most memorable thing that you, like when you saw them there and you talked to them, was there something that hit you that was like, how is it possible that you think that? <laughs> Once you meet Trumpers and people that believe in all that crappy ideology, nothing surprises you anymore. So I, I, as a black woman who's, who's lived in this world my entire life as a black woman, uh, this kind of ignorance is, is not new to me. The one thing I love about your work and your book, which I am so excited for people to read, this is the book. Oh yeah. What is it about you that your activism pours out effortlessly and it's just from being, maybe it's just from being a black woman who lives in the world. Yeah. Where your experiences are just out there and it's incredibly smart and it's incredibly accessible and it's also a wake up call. Yeah, I mean, I never set out to be a political comedian. I don't consider myself a, a political comedian. I consider myself just an entertainer, but just by virtue of being a black gay immigrant woman, I am a walking political statement. So every experience that I have, I mean, my stand-up is based on my experiences. I don't just tell one-liners, I tell stories. So all the stories I'm telling are from my experience. And so my experiences are with misogyny, are with racism, are with, not all of them. You know, I talk about, what you know, my material, it covers a wide gamut of, of, of subject matter, but, yeah, people tend to latch onto the stuff where I'm talking about those experiences and that my haters will say, that's all I talk about. And then people like you go, no, we, we, you know, we appreciate you bringing this stuff before in a funny and entertaining way. Because my way, my thing has always been to entertain. My first port of call as a comedian is to comedy. I'm here to tell, make you laugh and I want to make you laugh. Um, if I can teach you something while making you laugh, or at least let make you see the world through somebody else's eyes while making you laugh, then that is a further icing on the cake. But my first, my mission is always to make you laugh. For folks who are feeling like it's really hard to wake up every day in the mm. world that we currently live in, what can you tell people who are starting out, who are trying to be creative, but who hit the walls of 
you know, white supremacy, patriarchy, misogyny, and are trying to navigate it and still do their art. What advice can you give them? Yeah, circumvent that shit. That is my, my advice. It soon shall pass. You know, the, the last vestiges of that power that they, they cannot hold on to it much longer. You can see the changes starting to happen and they're fighting those changes. Um, but a few of us are getting in every time. I've, I've got the, you know, I'm doing my TV show. I'm, I'm holding the door open and trying to usher in as many people as I can before they snap the door shut again. But my thing is keep going, keep creating, find ways to create for yourself. I mean, the doors were shut to me for the majority of my career. It's only in the last two years that I, I got in with Chuck Lorre and, 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 you know, things have gone a lot better. But my specials, all the stand-up specials, that you see on Netflix, I made those myself because nobody would give me a special. So I, you know, I cobbled together savings, credit cards, did GoFundMe type things to get money to shoot my own specials. I hired my own theatres, hired my own director and, and crew, shot my own specials and then just proceeded to sell it out of the trunk of my car like a rapper selling mixtapes and then ended up selling one to Showtime, selling another one to NBC and, and and now they're both on uh, on Netflix, but I own the rights to them. And that's the most important thing for me in that I own the rights to those specials. When, when Netflix is finished leasing them, they come back to me. So it's all about creating your own stuff. And if there's someone builds a wall, you climb over it, you dig under it, you find the end of it and get around it. But there's ways to create the, the days of having to wait for the gatekeepers to, uh, to validate you before you can make stuff a long over. The, the internet is an amazing place. It's a horrible place, but it's also an amazing place to create and get your art out to the people who are, who are your fans and, and your supporters. I could not agree more because I did the same thing this year. I did my own special. I even built the stage. I did it on the side of a lake. I had people oh, in wow. kayaks watching during COVID. But, and I think that like, just to, just to um, piggyback onto that, you don't understand the joy of actually making your own special. Mm. Um, and that's a, it's a joy that's taken away from you. I mean, trust me, it's much easier to have somebody give you money and set it up. But you do make really good relationships with your crew and everyone you're doing it yourself because you can do it. All right, last question. You say that you're not an activist. You're just living in the world and people frame you in that space. But you made a choice to come out with us and you made a choice to say, yeah. you know what, I really want to stand up for reproductive health and rights. Yes. I want to know, I want you to tell folks why you did it and, and why it's meaningful to you and why other people should do it. Because I did it because I wanted to fight in the war. Like there, there's a war against women. There's a war against black women specifically as well but there's, there's just a war against us and I wanted to I wanted to do my part I mean there's not much <clears throat> I'm good at <laughs> but I'm good at going around and talking to people and and I wanted to provide support for those people who are on the front lines because I'm not in the front on the front lines in that way so I was like well if the little bit of entertainment that I can provide and just showing my support and being there so that they know that we've got their backs uh, I, I will do it. So that's why I came. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I think great. other people should do it. I yes, think and I cannot wait to get you out again. As soon yeah. as we have some free time, we're going to bring you back out. We're out on the road. Jeannie Ashere, you're an incredible writer, an incredible actor, and your new book is out. And yes, I am is. so proud to know you. Thank yeah, you. Go get that book. You're going to learn a lot. <laughs> Jeannie Ashere.
I love her. Her book, Cack Handed, is out now. And you can watch her on Bob Hart's Abishola, streaming on CBS.com. Lots of good takeaways this week. And we are going out to a holiday break. Um, what'd you learn from this episode? Moji, I'm going to go with you. I learned that if you really, really, really love someone, you'll send them to hang out with Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Murray. <laughs> I I learned that an incel is trying to limit reproductive autonomy across this country. Marie, that's not new information. <laughs> <laughs> Marie just relearned it. It's like regifting. And I learned that Orlando, Florida is apparently the Jerusalem of the United States. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Oh my God. We want to thank Jeannie Yashere again for stopping by and join us next week for our very best. Whoops. We want to, we want to again, thanks Jeannie Yashere for stopping by and join us next week because we are doing a very special year end episode. It's the best and the third worst of 2021. Joining us to break it down is we testify founder, the Beyonce of abortion storytelling, Renee Bracey Sherman. Plus, comedian and star of Whose Line Is It Anyway, Greg Proop stops by to talk about comedy, advocacy, and how men can step the fuck up for reproductive rights. And last-minute gift idea. Donate to Abortion Access Front in the name of that special someone. Your donation will be matched by a wonderful human, so give now and give again. aafront.org slash giveaf. We leave you with a Christmas wish that this whole ass shower doesn't do us caroling anywhere near you. Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Bye, Merry Christmas. See you next week. He died for our sins. He forgave me a pay for abortion. Abortion's murder, no matter what a lesbian judge says. Those lesbian judges will be there to protect you when you die. We're out here with tough love to say, wake up, repent before it's too late. God will not be mocked what you sow is what you reap. Greater punishment in hell unless you repent, ladies. We're out here with tough love. Tough love to tell you the truth. This is a good place to be able to witness to the lost. Feminist Buzzkills Live is a production of Abortion Access Front. Subscribe to our YouTube at aafront.org slash fbksub.